On today's Maiden Order, we talk about the seventh song off the first Iron Maiden album, Sanctuary! Oh, welcome to Maiden Order, my Iron Maiden podcast. I talk about each Maiden song from their first one to the last. Every single episode's devoted to one song. So I hope that you keep listening. They really aren't that long. Up the irons, everybody. Welcome back to Maiden Order. Today we're talking about the seventh song on the Iron Maiden debut album. Um, that is, at least according to me, Mr. America. I live in the States. So to me, Sanctuary is song number seven. A traditionalist, uh, or maybe someone from the UK, might put this all the way at week two. Um, and a real traditionalist might leave this off completely because Sanctuary, and I didn't even know this, originally was just a standalone single released on May 23rd, 1980, which is, if you're listening to this, um, 40 years ago yesterday. So depending on when you're listening to this, it is May 24th, uh, 2020. So Sanctuary is over 40 years old, which is, it's shocking to me that this type of music is 40 years old. I mean, it's not, it's not like it sounds modern or anything, but it's just when you say the words 40 years old, you're like, what? Huh? Who? Hey. Uh, this was uh, performed, of course, by the um, original album lineup of Paul Diano, Steve Harris, Dave Murray, Dennis Stratton, and Clive Burr. Uh, and it is, well, who was it written by? Hmm, this is interesting. Now, one listing I saw has it written by, quote-unquote, Iron Maiden. Uh, but... According to Metal Hammer contributor Dave Ling, the song was originally written by guitarist Rob Angelo, who was a member of the band in 1977. He was paid 300, I want to say, pounds for the song's rights. Uh, and, but from 1998 onwards, the song was credited to Murray, Steve Harris, and Paul Diano. So, if I'm correct, um, the song was written by a member of Iron Maiden for Iron Maiden, that member left, and the song stayed with Iron Maiden, and the song was titled was credited as written by Iron Maiden. Then, in '98, I'm going to guess in like a re the reissue, the song was credited to Murray Harris Indiano. It's always interesting to see what these like 
is that a taking credit from thing again? Or is that a legally kind of how things are put on albums? Like legally for publishing rights, this is how we say it. Because then again, if it, why would it be Harris, Murray, Indiano? Um, like specifically, if they didn't have anything to do with it. So maybe they did. Maybe they had something to do with the music. I don't know. Find it very interesting. But in the, um, as I said, in the original, uh, in the original release, the song was not even put on an album. Uh, then um, it w- so it wasn't on the UK version of the album, but it was added to the US version, which is the only version I have. I looked up on eBay. I found a tape and a cassette that looked pretty old. It looked like it was of the time, and um, Sanctuary was on it. So as as far as I remember, Sanctuary has always been on the US version and has always been on every version that I've had. So I'm wondering if you know you old old Iron Maiden fans think Sanctuary is like. Ooh, that extra song that doesn't even belong on the album, which is wild because of how much I how much I love this song. Like it really feels like I I can't imagine this album without it. Uh, and as of 1998, every version of the uh, this album that's gone out, the reissues, includes Sanctuary. Now it's funny. I look at you know different track listings. So the original. Track listing doesn't have it, uh, but the North American version has it as Song 7, so that's why we're here, Song 7 today. The 1998 remaster release has it at Song number 2. So I'm wondering now if I buy um, a U.S. version for the, you know, like a, a CD, is it Song number 2? You know, I'm looking at Spotify right now. It has the 2015 remaster, and Sanctuary is not even on it. I go to Apple Music. I go to um, Amazon. And Sanctuary's not even on it. On either of those. Now, it's saying the 2015 remastered version. Folks, my MP3s, I think, come from my original CD, I think. That's where I got them. I didn't buy them. Um, And I have Sanctuary, so I'm here doing it. Yay, exciting. I mean, it's crazy. This is wild. This is funny that um, maybe you're not even expecting this. But for me, Sanctuary has always been a part of the first Iron Maiden album. And um, that's why I will always, always uh, think of it as this album. And that's why I'm doing it. So um, I hope you're enjoying it. So what I like to do in every episode is go through the lyrics and um, kind of just examine them. And, I mean, depending on what record or what note you're looking at, this was either written, as it said, by Steve Harris, Dave Murray, and Paul Diano, or um, according to the liner notes for Metal for Mothers, uh, it was written originally by Rob Angelo and got paid. He got paid a whole 300 pounds, I want to say. I'm going to say pounds or maybe quid. Quid sounds cool too, but I'll say pounds. Um, 
And I'm sure uh, that's, uh, I can only imagine what, um, what you're thinking when you, when you see that song uh, that you wrote that you paid for basically, you know, a couple weeks worth of groceries. But let's go through the lyrics, shall we? Boom, boom, boom. Um, Out of the winter came a war horse of steel. Never killed a woman before, but I know how it feels. I know you'd have gone insane if you saw what I saw. Now I've got to look for sanctuary from the law. I was looking up on Genius.com, and they were like, well, obviously this is about a man who murdered someone. He's not a serial killer, but he's murdered someone for the first time, and now he's looking for um, sanctuary from the law. And I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't buy that. Um, Out of the winter came a war horse of steel. Like, what is that? Now, I know that the album single cover has Margaret Thatcher on it, and she was the Iron Lady, but she's not the War Horse of Steel, right? I mean, War Horse of Steel, could that be like a bus or something like that? A tank? Is it some guy coming back from war? I, I don't know. Um, and he says, never killed a woman before, but I know how it feels. Now, to me, I always thought that meant I, I, I know how it feels to... I, he never killed someone. Like, I always got it that he didn't kill the person. But maybe it's like, I've never killed someone before. But now I killed them, and now I know how it feels. He didn't say, but now I know how it feels. He says, but now, but I know how it feels. And I know you'd have gone insane if you saw what I saw. Maybe he saw someone get killed. That's how he knows. And now I've got to look for sanctuary from the law. Um, it's... You know, you think, okay, this guy is looking for sanctuary from the law because he's afraid he might get, he's getting framed for a murder. That's what I always took this as. But isn't that murders in the room morgue too? I don't remember. Um, I met up with a slinger last night to keep me alive. He spends all his money on gambling and guns to survive. Now, it's funny. Someone else brought this up that could this be something in the Old West? Um, Gunslinger. He spends all his money on gambling and guns. That is, I've never thought of that. And then once again, he says, I know you'd have gone insane if you saw what I saw. Now I've got to look for sanctuary from the law. And sanctuary, like, from the law, like, it's, you know, like, I know some people have diplomatic sanctuary where they hide in embassies. Others, they go to churches. Now, could this be the law? Be Again, the Old West? Um, it's, but then he says, So give me sanctuary from the law, and I'll be all right. Sanctuary from the law, and love me tonight. Tonight. That is the most un-Iron Maiden lyric I've ever heard. Now I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. This was definitely uh, Rob Angelo who wrote this, because, I mean, I could see Paul Deano writing this, but I can't see Steve writing this. Um I know you'd have gone insane if you saw what I saw. I mean, he's really saying you would go insane if you saw what I saw. But now I've got to look for a sanctuary from the law. I always say sanctuary because of the way he sings it. Sanctuary from the law. I can laugh at the wind, howl in the rain, scream in the canyons, or down in the plains. That, to me, again, feels Western, right? Um... 
I can laugh in the wind, ha ha ha, howl in the rain, ooh, scream in the canyon, ah, down in the plains. I know you'd have gone insane if you saw what I saw. Now I've got to look for sanctuary from the law, so give me sanctuary from the law, and I'll be all right. Just give me sanctuary from the law, and love me tonight, tonight. Love me tonight. Yeah, this feels very much like, again, a rebel I'm going to go with this being a Western. And I never, ever thought of it until that guy that I read, was it? I think it was genius.com. No, it was Song Meanings. I think Song, the genius guy, I don't believe whatever he said. Song Meanings brought up the idea of Slinger being like a gunslinger. And everything else kind of holds up, you know, hiding from the law, money, gambling, guns to survive. Uh, And then he's looking for someone to love me tonight. Could be a... A fine young woman. I'm watching Deadwood right now, so this I have westerns on the brain. Uh, and the fact that "Love Me Tonight" is like the last lyric. Uh, this guy's looking for just a, a quickie, and he wants to stay safe. And yeah, that's what I'm going with. I, I think the meaning of the song is kind of telling the story of a western, and I dig it. I dig it a lot. I like it a lot. So the version that you're listening to, the album version, the studio version, uh, the one that we know is the single, um, was actually not the original recording of Sanctuary. Uh, Sanctuary was previously recorded, uh, a version of it, for the, for, in 1979 as part of the Metal for Mothers compilation tape. Um, if you remember, like, years ago, that's how metal bands would get known they put their song on a compilation tape i think that's how metallica kind of got known then a tape gets traded around certain radio stations play it and boom you get discovered now this uh compilation had a bunch of bad sounding band names i've never heard of uh then it did have some samson on it uh not with bruce and it also had angel witch which is a band that i heard of but i don't know them and then, of course, uh, Iron Maiden. It had Wrathchild on it, but it also had this version of Sanctuary, which, uh, if the notes that I'm reading are correct, uh, it was a four-person um, version of Iron Maiden at the time with Dave Murray on guitars and on the drums, Mr. Doug Sampson. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the original recording of Sanctuary.
Dave Murray always thought the uh, the single version, the the uh, the more known studio version, blew that recording out of the water, and I would have to agree. I mean, that is, um, but it's still really cool to hear something that you know. I've been an Iron Maiden fan for decades, and I apparently I don't do enough research or look look up enough things because um, I didn't have any idea that that existed. And I thought that was really cool to hear. Um, now, not. The song itself, but the fact that the song was a single, um, actually it got some, not unwanted attention, but it got some attention that I'm not sure, um, well, at least when the song was written, they weren't expecting this kind of attention. It's the actual single cover uh, for, the, for the song itself. If you look, it's the album art for this episode. Um, it's the cover art that was written, uh, drawn by Mr. Derek Riggs, the uh, famed Iron Maiden artist. And it actually depicted Eddie holding a knife, standing over the corpse of the British Prime Minister at the time, uh, Margaret Thatcher. Um, which, like, that'd be like someone holding a knife over, you know, killing a president in the United States. Um, it, so there's a quote from uh, Ron Smallwood, who is the, um, the band's manager, Iron Maiden's manager. Everyone knows Ron Smallwood. Uh, he explained the artwork's concept this um, is from a quote from uh, Mick Wall's Run to the Hills Iron Maiden biography. The artwork is very tongue-in-cheek. Should I do it British? The artwork is very tongue-in-cheek, uh, as usual. At the time, Maggie had visited the old USSR and, following her tough stance with them, had been christened the Iron Maiden. Eddie took offense to this, and even more so when she started taking our posters. I don't know what that meant. Was she taking down Iron Maiden posters, or was she getting posters with her own face on it? Um, so actually Smallwood suggested to the record company that they cover, uh, her face. They censor her face as they release it. And he said, quote, as this would give the tabloids an angle and draw attention to the single. Yes, I can read Wikipedia, but you know, I'm doing it so you don't have to. Uh, and it turns out that that proved to be very successful because the Daily Mirror, which is a major newspaper over in England, ran a story about the song and published the uncensored artwork. Uh, and he, they had a headline that said, It's murder. Maggie gets rock mugging. Um, and the Daily Record, another paper, also published an article saying that the cover was horrific uh, and included interviews with young Scottish conservatives who criticized the artwork as being in very bad taste. Guess what? It was in very bad taste. And you know what? It actually brought tons of attention to uh, Iron Maiden, and uh, th- which worked out perfectly. Uh, what was even better is that the follow-up single that Iron Maiden put out, Women in Uniform, which I won't be covering because that is not, uh, that's a cover song. Uh, but on the cover of that single, they have Margaret Thatcher dressed up uh, with a machine gun ready to seek her revenge on Eddie. So you see, Maiden can play it both ways. They're very smart. Very, that's how they say it in England. Very smart. So, Sanctuary had been a staple of Iron Maiden live performances 
um, starting right away, starting in the 70s uh, through the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, and I couldn't, I, I'm, I know I've seen it live. I can't tell you the exact concert off the top of my head. I didn't want to go through every concert, every set list again to figure out the last time or the first time I heard it. Uh, but what I can tell you is that at least according to setlist.fm, and again, they are just, um, going on the, the, what I assume are the people who go to the concert socially kind of filling in like its own wiki, um, that Iron Maiden hasn't played Sanctuary since 2014, if I am to be correct. Now, trying to think how many tours they've had since then. So there was the Book of Souls tour, at least in the States. It was the Book of Souls tour. And then there was the um, the last tour that we just went on. The I don't, I don't even remember what the hell it was. It was it for the video game. Was it just it was just like, uh, you know, a, a t- like a greatest hit. So I think Iron Maiden always does it where they put out a tour um, supporting an album. Then they do another tour kind of supporting just their history. Uh, and I don't think they didn't play Sanctuary either times uh, for them. So as, yeah, as far as I can tell, 2014 is the last time they've played it. But here's another thing that I'm going to tell you. I did not realize until today. Until... I started looking at um, listening to live versions and, you know, I've heard these things a thousand times. I've heard them. I've heard them over and over again. But now when I listen to it, I said, wait a second. Is that Queen? So this first live version that I'm playing for you is from something called Live Plus One, which is a uh, Japanese EP that was released on Christmas Day in 1980. Um, It features four songs on it, Sanctuary, Phantom of the Opera, Drifter, and Women in Uniform. Uh, Then there's a Greek version that actually has a few more songs on it, Innocent Exile, Prowler, uh, Running Free, Remember Tomorrow, and I've got the file, which is a Montrose cover. Um, oh, Women in Uniform is a Skyhooks cover. Skyhooks, which is a band that I've never heard of, uh, but they did Women in Uniform. So what I didn't notice, so I was going through some, some um, live versions, and I think the first live version I ever heard was from Live After Death. We'll get there. Um, but it was while I was listening to that that I said, wait a second, what's this? like, cool interlude that they're doing here. That kind of sounds like, it almost sounds like Queen. Not exactly, but very, like, the, the lick isn't exactly, but it is very close. And it seems like they're definitely kind of paying tribute to them. That's so cool that they did that on Live After Death. Then I go and listen to this uh, old version, this, you know, 1980 version, 40-year-old version, 
And I'm like, well, this is early on, so they probably didn't, you know, have this kind of thought flushed out then. But wouldn't you know... Okay, so it's not an exact replica of the riff from Keep Yourself Alive, but come on, listen to how close this is. That song has been around for 40 years. I've been a fan of Iron Maiden for 30 years, and I never picked up on that until today. Or as the kids today like to say, I'm today years old uh, when I found out that Iron Maiden was sort of riffing on Queen in the live version of Sanctuary, and always have been, uh, which just, my mind is blown. And if you're listening to this and you knew this the whole time, you know, you're, look, you're probably like, what an idiot. Why am I listening to this fool? I ask myself that every day. But I thank you for listening. Well, it's a song you should all know by now. We've done it enough times. It's a song, which is also our next single. Song called Sanctuary. So this is another live one from 1980. What I like about this one is, at least in the video, it just looks so bootleg. It looks like, you know, uh, some guy with an old video camera uh, is filming it. And it's the old stage where it's like, you see, um, there's no Eddie. It's like, but it is it. It's like the first Eddie, which is that weird kabuki mask kind of weird thing that's hanging up behind Clive Burr. Um, this is like so early Iron Maiden. We got Dennis Stratton... Uh, you know, you you don't see a ton of Dennis Stratton videos. Um, it's just cool. He's, he, he's a cool-looking dude. He just, just, it's so weird seeing that guy in Iron Maiden because I'm not used to it. I love Paul kind of playing with the crowd there. He's like, you know, he doesn't just go right into the, the uh, chorus. He kind of waits, waits, and then he's like, the band waits for him, and then he cues it with, So give me sanctuary from the Lord. And if you're wondering 
Uh, oh, do they do the Queen interlude in this old version too? Yeah, of course they do. funny when you go on youtube sometimes and you read comments from people and they're like man that's iron maiden those first two albums or i know eddie trunk sometimes is like those first two album those first two iron maiden records are the greatest records they've done um and uh look you can have your opinion i have my opinion these first two iron maiden re- records are awesome but they're not the best thing iron maiden's done the best thing Iron Maiden did was hire Mr. Bruce Dickinson, and then everything went uphill from there. And that's my opinion. And if you disagree with it, too bad. Too bad. You can yell at me at Maiden Podcast. You can email me, maiden at fansonexperts.com. But look, I'm a Bruce guy, and I always will be a Bruce guy. Um, doesn't mean I don't love Paul. But I know some people don't even like hearing Bruce sing Paul's songs because they're so different. Well, I don't care. I, when I was young and like first getting into them, I didn't even know there were two guys. That's how stupid I am. Um, and look, I think the first, I don't think it's the first time I heard Sanctuary. Actually, it might have been. I don't know if I got the Iron Maiden first tape because I got tapes until Christmas of 1989. But I got uh, Live After Death um, in, as a kind of a gift after I broke my arm in October of 1989. So I definitely remember falling asleep in the hospital uh, listening to this on my Walkman, my Walkman cassette player. And um, the first live versions of Sanctuary that I heard were from Mr. Bruce Dickinson uh, from Live After Death, 1985. It's a song called Sanctuary! All right! I say I scream for you, Bruce, because I love you. Your voice is like warm butter. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just so comfortable to hear. Um, Yeah, I know this is Paul's song, but I don't care. Uh, I love this version. And, of course, this version has uh, a lot of different members in it. The only only two same that you've heard previously are um, Dave and Steve. This live version obviously has Nico, uh, Adrian Smith, and Mr. Bruce. Dickinson on the vocals. Hello. Oh, yeah. 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 
Definitely putting his own twist on the uh, chorus. I'll be all right and love me tonight. But that's what I love about Bruce. And it was listening to this version first, because I hadn't listened to it uh, all the way through in a long time. This is where I first picked up on that, which I should have picked up on 30 years ago, the, uh, the Queen riff. What's funny is I remember that interlude, like that feels so familiar to me listening to uh, Live After Death so many times, but I never made the connection. It never stuck with me until today, literally until today uh, that I heard that and heard that, which wasn't exactly the Brian May riff, but it was so close that obviously that's what they're um, paying tribute to. So anyway, the... um, Sanctuary's always been a part of Maiden's set list. From 1980 all the way up into the 2010s. Uh, it's part of Paul Diano's set list over the years. It was part of Bruce Dickinson's set list over the years the first time. It was part of Bruce Dickinson's set list the second time. It's always been a part of Iron Maiden, even between the two Bruce Dickinson eras. <laughs> I don't think Blaze gets enough credit for his time in Iron Maiden. Uh, the X Factor has some really cool songs, and, and I'm a big fan of Virtual Eleven. Uh, and years ago, uh, I got to see him live uh, in a small little club, and he was having the time of his life. He seemed like a really nice guy. He seemed like he was having a ball. All that being said, that first verse I heard was really bad. That did not sound good. Now, it seems like he warmed up during this. This is from a a concert in Chile in 1996. He's really focused on that from the law part. He's downright yelling at them. (laughs) 
once you got to that chorus, he sounded way better. But first, I don't know, just he did not, he did not sound right. And yes, I'm just going to say it right now, even in this version, they do do the Queen riff. I'm not going to play it again for you again and again. I've played it enough times, uh, but they, they do it again in this version. Uh, this is from 1996. As we know, three short years later, uh, Blaze is out. Bruce is back in. I see them during, doing an Ed Hunter tour. They come back in 2000 for Brave New World, and that's where they get this beautiful Brave New World set, and they put out a, uh, a live album called Iron Maiden Rock in Rio. I love that um, era of Maiden that, you know, when Bruce first came back. I love that Rock and Rio. Uh, I think my wife got me that on CD, which I thought was the coolest thing. Um, so, yeah, that's just a bunch of different live versions that I want to share with you. And usually I, I, I keep forgetting. I want to I like to talk about, like, personally what the song means to me. And um, I keep coming back to, like, listening to it on the subway, going to work, listening to the live Iron Maiden uh, rock and Rio version, I feel like, over and over again. Uh, for some reason, that is in my head. I have no idea why. There's no connection. There's no... I don't even know if it happened. I don't even... I might be getting this confused with Wrathchild, but that's the first thing that pops in my head. So maybe I'm just losing my mind. I'm not sure. And um, the last thing I want to play for you from Iron Maiden um, is... Well, it's not a live version, but there is a, like, I played this for you, um, I think, was it Strange World, an old version from Strange World. But um, there is, again, a rehearsal recording um, that was said was recorded by Thunderstick, either in 77 or 78. Uh, it's now, this is what the lineup says on the YouTube video. And I'm not, I have no idea uh, how accurate this is. But on the drums is Barry Perkis, also known as Thunderstick. On the bass is Mr. Steve Harris. On the guitar is Terry Wapram. On the vocals is Dennis Wilcock. And on the keyboard is Tony Moore. kind of just cuts off there at the end but i just wanted to include that because i thought that was really cool uh it was only like a 30 something second clip uh and but the guitar is like so blah you know it's like ding 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 but you can hear steve going like working his ass off as usual um it just that felt like a 70s song like that really felt like it was classic rock not you know the new wave of British heavy metal or whatever you want to call it. That just that felt aged then or dated more so than you know the the version we know, which felt a little more punk 
thanks to Paul, obviously. Um, but I just wanted to include that because I thought that was really cool. Uh, and it's, it's definitely part of history, part of history of this song. Uh, and songs like this, you know, they become historic, they become famous in the world. Um, you know, maybe the, the, you know, neighbor next door doesn't know what sanctuary is, but every hard rock and heavy metal fan, um, that grew up in that era absolutely knows what uh, sanctuary is. And when you grow up, you want to be in a band, uh, just like Iron Maiden. And maybe if you get a chance, you would do a cover version of their song. So I'd like to play a few covers of, um, Maiden. Now, this first one barely counts as a cover, but look, it was on a tribute to Iron Maiden, 666, the number one beast. Number one beast? Yeah, volume two slash the final chapter. That apparently is the title, is the full title of this song. And um, the cover version, once again, is from the the, the man who sang it uh, in the studio in the first place, Mr. Paldiana. That's from 2000, and I just, I love listening to, it's like the music seems a little more, poly, I don't know what the music is. The, obviously, the recording quality is better. It's not Iron Maiden playing in the background band, you can tell that. But Paul still got a pretty strong voice uh, singing this, and it's just cooler hearing him uh, in a kind of a more modern produced version of his music. There's a band, a metal band, that I grew up knowing, um, knowing the logo. I remember seeing videos of them on Headbangers Ball. I couldn't tell you one song. I couldn't tell you anything about this band. For some reason, they're a blind spot in my life, and that is Overkill. I remember, you know, the guy had big hair. I remember lots of green. And I remember seeing that patch on so many um, jean jackets. And it was like, for some reason, I'm intimidated by them. Like, they, oh, overkill. That's kind of scary. That's not my kind of thing. It's not like it's, but it's not scary. There's nothing scary about it. But for some reason, it just makes me think of like, oh, I never listened to them. Maybe I should go back and listen. So, the, like, these guys have been around forever. Okay. 
And the version, this, this cover song, came from a 2017 album. Uh, the, the album was called uh, The Grinding Wheel. And this is from the Japanese version of that album. They threw this cover on there. Um, and the, the singer still like, like has, has the pipes. He can still hit these notes. Um, and you can see they took a very metal approach to it because why wouldn't they? They're overkill. Uh, and the last, but you know, the, the thing I love about these early Iron Maiden albums is that they kind of have that punk feel to them as well. Uh, so the last cover I want to play for you is from a band that I've never heard of. Out of the window came my walls were sealed. I never could have won before, and I know how it feels. I know you're gonna take me so I saw. I've got to look for sanctuary from the So this is from an L.A. punk band called the Street Walkin' Cheetahs. I've never heard of them. They, I think they're around the 2000s. And according to Facebook, uh, they're getting back together and they're going to have two albums come out in 2020. The reason I dug that version and I wanted to share it is because it kind of grasped in that punk feel more, where Overkill did more of the metal feel. This felt more punk. Um, I mean, yeah, you can hear kind of a metal solo right there, but this I have no idea who the street-walking cheetahs are. Cheetah, like, you know, I'm cheetah, Chester cheetah, like the animal. Um, but I will have uh, links to this song. I'll have links to every song that was played uh, on today's episode um, in the show notes over at fansnotexperts.com slash maiden where you can find every episode or it'll be right in your podcast uh, player. You'll see all the show notes there as well. I think I've covered everything I want to cover. You know, it's like the, the history of the song and how it was a studio recording before it got uh, made a single and it was on a single before it even got put on the album. And in some versions, it's not even on the album. Uh, but in my version, in my world, it's song number seven, and that's why I have it here as song number seven uh, in Maiden Order. And so in my world, in my history, that's the way it is. So, uh, hey, I hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed uh, me talking about it. Hope you enjoyed me reading Wikipedia about it. Uh, I love I got an awesome review. I've, I might have talked about it before. This guy rips into me. Uh, talking about he's just reading Wikipedia at certain points. And then I say that I'm, re- I'm reading Wikipedia. Maybe that makes me less um, professional. But guess what? Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm just an Iron Maiden fan. And I'm not a guy filled with knowledge. I'm a guy with a passion who is even using this show to learn more myself, which is cool. So if, if I could you know, show you one thing you've never heard before or didn't know before, awesome. Uh, if not, at least I'm learning. I'm learning as I go. And it, it's all about learning and expanding the mind, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I've covered everything. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing. Of course, we're available everywhere podcasts uh, can be found. If you are an Apple podcast user, you can leave a review. And maybe you can be as cool as that 
that jerk that left me uh, the, the negative review last month. Uh, or you can be um, even cooler. I don't care. I don't care. As long as you're listening, you don't have to review. You know, I don't read those reviews. I know it's important to get your podcast more attention, but I don't, I, I write reviews every so often. I never really read them. Um, as long as you found me, as long as you're listening, I love you. I love you so much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Maiden Podcast. As I said before, uh, you can always write me there and um, you can always email me maiden at fansnotexperts.com. And if you go to um, anchor.fm slash maiden, um, you could subscribe there, but you can also leave me a voicemail message there too if you want. And um, if you're not too dirty, I'll play you on the show. How's that sound? Pretty cool? All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. And until then, stay safe and up the irons. Fans not experts.